Well, this morning we are closing out our series in Ecclesiastes. So if you would turn to the last chapter, Ecclesiastes 12, and we're going to read what's really like a a postscript or an epilogue to the words of Koheleth, the, the preacher of Ecclesiastes, probably King Solomon. And we'll start with verse 9. Besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs with great care. The preacher sought to find words of delight, and uprightly he wrote words of truth. The words of the wise are like goads and like nails firmly fixed and our collected sayings. They are given by one shepherd. My son, beware of anything beyond these, of making many books there is no end, and much study is a weariness of the flesh. The end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment with every secret thing, whether good or evil. Let's take a moment to sit and reflect together on God's word. This may be a little overstated, it might be a little overdramatic, but uh, this morning I feel like I'm, I'm standing on a boat in a river, and I've come to the place where the river forks. And as exciting as choosing one way uh, that the river goes, as, as, as new as it is, it brings a sort of a new chapter But once you choose to go down one of the forks of the river, you you pause because you realize that you're you're traveling in a certain direction. And once the choice is made, you can remember the other part part of the river, but but you can't go back. And so this morning, August the 31st, Labor Day weekend, for most people, sort of marks the end of the summer. It started in Memorial Day, and here we are on Labor Day, and you think, it should just be like June, shouldn't it? I mean, where did, what happened to the whole summer? It's gone. And uh, when we mark this particular time, maybe some of you are experiencing uh, that fork in the river. This is the, the first year you've sent your child off to school. Or maybe this is the first year that your child is entering into high school. Or college. And so it's a fork in the river. You realize, yeah, I can remember, but, uh, but we've, we've reached a place that, but once we choose something, we, we can't go back. Or, uh, maybe like me, uh, yesterday I moved my, my baby girl out of my house, um, for her senior year in college. And as I was making the many trips up and down the stairs with the stuff, um, there was a bit of sadness because in all likelihood, I've moved her out of my house for the last time. Now, maybe she'll come back and I'll want her back. But, you know, it, you, you get to that point and you think, gosh, what, what happened? I mean, here I am. I'm, I've, I've got my kids in my home and then I'm moving them in and out. And now I'm moving them out and they're not coming back. And, and I can remember 
But, but I can't go back. As many of you know, today marks the end of a season for Christ Community Church. Uh, the preacher for Ecclesiastes would be appreciative of that. For, for every time there is a season. So seasons come, but then you travel down the river for a little while and the, and the river forks and seasons go. And for the last 12 years, whether it's been 50 of us sitting at Temple Baptist Activity Center and folding metal chairs, listening to me try to lead the singing. Uh, or it's 350 of us sitting here in comfortable chairs. Whichever way it's been for the last 12 and a half years, we've always been together. It's always been, hey, I, I, can, I can see everybody at, at one point, at one moment. Uh, and although we are thankful that God has, has blessed us with new people coming and, and uh, people crowdedly sort of fitting into the rows, as, as exciting as the next step is, that next uh, Sunday we'll go to two services, and, it, and it'll bring new, something new, seats will open, Lord willing, people will fill those seats. It's, it's exciting, but, but it's a fork in the river. It's a, a place that we'd say today... You know, we're just at that fork, and next week we'll, we'll be able to remember, but we, we won't be going back. Finally, uh, this morning we say goodbye to our visiting preacher for the summer, Koheleth, the preacher of Ecclesiastes, the writer. We, we, we took up his book in June, and here we are at the end of the summer, and he's delivering to us his last sermon and he's, he's served us well. He's been teaching us over the summer. And, and no doubt we're going to remember his favorite word. Every preacher has a favorite word or favorite verse. Vanity. Vanity of vanities. He begins it and he ends it. The Hebrew word havel. It, it means mist or fog or vapor. Life is like a vapor. It's like a summer. It just, just goes by. It's, it's, it's just here and then it's gone. It's, it's vaporous. Or, or life is like a vapor because the world offers so many temptations, so many things that look real and substantial, so many things that you think, if I just get this, if I have that, if I obtain this, I can, I can build my whole life on this. But then when you do, you realize it's, it's Havel, it's, it's a vapor, it's a mist. It looked substantial, but I could never quite get my hands around it. Or just as soon as I reached out to grab it, it all just sort of vaporously just disappeared. Or life is like a, a vapor. It's like walking through a dense fog at times. We talked about that in the, the song Abide With Me. When darkness comes, when, when the fog rolls in. I mean, you're free to move in any direction in the fog. It's just that you don't know which, which, which direction to go. Which direction leads me out of the place that I'm at? So often life feels like a, a fog has rolled in. And unless someone speaks from outside the fog, we're going to be lost chasing after an empty treasure chest. Unless there's a word outside of the fog, outside of the vapor, unless somebody can give us and provide for us direction, we're going to just be chasing after the wind. We're going to be chasing things that themselves are, are empty, or we're going to be constantly busy, but we're never going to go anywhere. 
And so we have to have that word and we have to have that word outside of our world. And that word is the obvious emphasis in the closing verses of Ecclesiastes. So I want to just go through these verses and see the the uh, importance of words and how uh, Koheleth, the preacher, has put these things together. Verse 9, besides being wise, the preacher also taught the people knowledge, weighing and studying and arranging many proverbs or many words with great care. First thing we learn here is words matter. We benefited from the preacher carefully arranging his words. He just didn't randomly write something down. He, he, he wrote it down. He erased. He, he moved his words around like a puzzle. He, he wanted to, co- to communicate something very specific. And the more specific you want to be, the more exact you have to be with your words. So for the last 12 chapters, he's, he's been arranging these words with, with great care. Uh, many of you are probably familiar with the, the sort of famous quote of St. Francis of Assisi. And he says, preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. Preach the gospel at all times. When necessary, use words. And, of course, I understand what Francis is saying. If I see him in heaven, I'll say, I get what you're saying. In other words, your, your life should so embody the gospel that when people see it, they'll have some sort of taste of Christ, some vision of your life in Christ. But I want to say to St. Francis, hey, words matter. Do you know what the gospel is called? Good news. It's news. It's information. And it's information that needs to be proclaimed. It's information that needs to be communicated. And and it can't all be communicated just by how I act. It's got to be communicated with words. And the words are, are important. And they need to be carefully arranged and studied and used with great care. Because you're communicating this eternal matter to other people. The Apostle Paul says this, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? How, they, how can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? How can they hear without someone preaching to them? You can't hear unless somebody's preaching. You can't hear. You're not going to get it unless somebody uses words. So words matter. Verse 10. I love this verse as a preacher. The preacher sought to find words of delight and words of truth. The the preacher has carefully arranged his words in these 12 chapters. And and he's understanding his audience. Because he's, he's done two things. He's gotten words of delight and words of truth together in his book. The preacher is sensitive to the fact that people uncoupled from their creator are living in a fog. And and he wisely understands that these people that are uncoupled from the word of God, they're wired differently. Some of them are are, are right brain artists. And some of them are, are left brain engineers. And so the right brain artist needs a word of delight, something poetic. To, to capture their attention, the, the left brain engineer needs a word of truth, something that's exact, something that's sharp, something that we can understand. And so he understands these words are coming into all kinds of people. And he's, he's like a chemist mixing them together in his 
in this book of Ecclesiastes, words of delight. We, we've appreciated the, the, the preacher's poetry. God has made everything beautiful in its time. A, a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Better is a handful of quietness than two handfuls of toil. A good name is better than precious oil. The almond tree blossoms. The grasshopper drags itself along. The silver cord is snapped. The golden bowl is broken. See, he, he's, he's a masterful preacher. And he understands that these people living in the fog are, are looking for some sort of way out. And he's got to reach into that fog. And part of his reaching in is to deliver these words of delight, these, these words of poetic uh, creativity that are going to help people see something. And then, of course, he has these exacting or, or sharp words of truth. Generations come, generations go. There is no remembrance of them. Mm. See, that's like a knife. That's like a, a sharp word of truth. In, in case you think you're immortal, in case you think you're going to remember, guess what? Nobody's going to remember. I became great. I kept my heart from no pleasure. I found pleasure in all my work. And when I considered all that I'd done, it was all vanity. It was all like a chasing after the wind. It was all like a soap bubble. I thought I was going to have it. It was so delightful. But when I grabbed it, it just popped. Nothing. For what happens to the children of man is what happens to beasts. One dies and so does the other. Mm. You see, a word of truth, a, a word that's penetrating somebody who's really not paying attention to the truth because they're in the fog. Somebody has to, a voice has to come in. You cannot make straight what God has made crooked. So we've appreciated this preacher. He's, he's used these words. He's taking great care to arrange them carefully. He's understanding his audience, that they're, they're the artists and the engineers in the audience. And they're both going to respond sort of differently. And he's provided both of those things for us. And, and to make an application is really, to, for me, I thought, what's the best application? The best application of this text is to the person behind this pulpit. So this is an application that's really just applying to me, and then I'll make an application to you. Uh, the, the preacher is preaching, and he's telling the other preachers, you've got to do the same thing. Your words matter. They're, they're like a freight train running out into the congregation and, and out into the community. And you've got to carefully arrange your words. You can't just randomly say something. You've got to bring something from outside of the fog. Your, your words have to have an eternal ring to them. And you have to understand some of your audience are going to be artists and some of your audience are going to be engineers. Don't, don't forget that your hearers are different and, and arrange your words so that they, they can pay attention. I love Herman Melville's words from the book Moby Dick. The pulpit is ever the earth's foremost part. The pulpit is ever the earth's foremost part. All the rest comes in its rear. The pulpit leads the world. Yes, the world is a ship on its passage out and not a voyage complete. And the pulpit is its prow. I mean, well, what great artistry. 
He's saying we live in a fog and we're like a ship traveling through the world. We're not on a complete voyage. The voyage is going somewhere outside of this world. And and how do you cut through the dense fog? What's at the very tip of the spear? What's at the prow? And Herman Melville say the pulpit is because words matter. And words from this place matter on how people are navigating their whole lives. So if you're going to be in this place, you've got to be a man who understands that words have to be taken carefully, arranged, thought about, studied, delivered to an audience of a variety of people. The church, even with its many flaws, is God's anointed agency to lead people into a whole new way of life. I mean, God could have designed anything he wanted. But he said, I'm going to make my bride the church. And I'm going to give a message to a person who's going to proclaim that message. And for some season, he's going to be at the the very top of the prow, the very front edge of the ship. And he's going to be seeing me and proclaiming a word. and And a whole congregation is going to knife through a community and out into the world because he's following after the word of God. And so men must stand before their congregations and lead people out of a fog. We're not on a voyage complete. I mean, you realize, I know, if you live 20 years or 80 years, it's just you're on a journey. It's very brief. And then you're going to enter into eternity. This isn't a voyage complete. You're never going to get to some place in your life and say, hey, I've arrived. No, no, no. no. You're trying to get to the gate to go on the real journey. That's what this journey is about. It's just getting to the gate to go on the real journey. And so when we're, we're leading a congregation, we're trying to be a, the, the prowl for the community. We've got to have... People who are standing here carefully measuring, arranging, studying their words. Well, that's for the preacher. But many many of you here, you're in ministry positions. You lead in a college ministry. You lead in the children's ministry. You lead in the youth ministry. You're a teacher. You're a parent. You're the one that's communicating. I'm doing this here today. You're going to go out all week. You're going to you're going to be the person who's sitting next to the other person who doesn't know Christ and their life is in a fog. And you're going to be the voice that's calling out. And my question is, are your your words careful or are they quick? Are you are you leading people out of a fog towards Christ? By your careful arrangement of your words. Do you understand who they are? Have you tried to figure out how they think and then arrange your words in such a way that they would say, Oh, I, I needed that truth or I needed that word of delight. So important as a parent, so important as a ministry leader. What, what are your words like? Verse 11. The words of the wise are like goads. This is how he describes his own words. The words of the wise are like goads, 
like nails firmly fixed that are collected sayings, and they are words given by one shepherd. They're like goads. This is a great visual picture for people who live in an agricultural society. You know what a goad is, don't you? It's like a staff. And at the very tip of the staff is a, is a me- sharp metal piece that's sort of fashioned to the tip of the staff. And so the person who's driving the cattle, the cattle would sort of begin to wander off. And what would the, the wrangler or the shepherd have to do? He'd pull out his goad, long stick. Hey, you, get along, move on this way. And, and what he's saying is, is my words are like goads. They're goading you in the right direction. He's moving you in the right direction. Hosea describes the people of God as stubborn heifers. I mean, that's real pleasant, isn't it? I think the preacher called me a stubborn heifer today from the up front. Well, that's what he's saying. We're, we're stubborn. I know my heart. It's prone to what? It's prone to wander. What's going to get me back on the right track? A word. A word that's going to be like a goad saying, no, go this direction. Don't go that direction. And so let me say, as the preacher, sometimes my words are going to feel like goads, not a snuggie. You're going in the wrong direction. And the word of God is like a word of truth that's clearly telling us, go this way. And if you're at a church and the preacher every Sunday gets up and just affirms the direction you're going and exactly what you think, go to, please go to another church. Because you and I, we are constantly moving away and wandering away. And somebody has to come in with a goad and say, no, 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 think this way, go this way. Secondly, the word is is like a a firmly fixed nail. The preacher's trying to say, hey, you can can put your whole weight on this. You You can bet your whole life on this. You can bet your whole eternity on this. This word that I'm delivering is something that will hold every question you have, every sin that you've committed, everything that you have a, a curiosity about. This is the one nail that can hold everything in your life. You can put all of your weight here. You don't need to lean on me. You need to just jump on me with two feet. I can hold the whole weight. When I moved into my first house in 1991, we had a little one-car garage that, you know, it's too little for a garage. Um, and so you, you make it your man cave, right? So it's my man cave. So I'm getting out of my first house and I got my man cave. So I get out there with my man cave and I figured and the first thing I got to do is I got to have some shelving. So I buy the little sort of elbow brackets and I cut some plywood and I put the plywood on the brackets and put some, you know, I got some random screws around. So they're putting them through. Then I put the plywood and the, the, the little elbow hinges up and I put them right into the drywall. And I step back and go, wow, it's awesome. So now I'm getting my paint cans, my turpentine, my roundup. I'm putting them all over my shelves. And I stand back and say, this is awesome. So great. Nancy, come look. She's like, uh. I don't know if it was in the middle of the night. It was sometime. Was it middle of the night? Nancy's like, yeah, in the middle of the night. Middle of the night. What in the world? So I go into my garage. You know what happened, right? Round up everywhere. Paint. 
turpentine, all coming off of the wall. Why? They look pretty nice to me. But little screws in a drywall. It's not a firmly fixed nail. Wouldn't even hold a paint can. And the preacher's coming in and saying, you have massive questions in your life. You have sins that feel like no one could possibly forgive them if they really knew them. And the preacher's coming in saying, I'm delivering one word from one shepherd, not me, the Lord Almighty. And he's coming in to saying, this word himself can hold all of your weight. Come with me. Put, put both feet on. And it's possible that some of us are here with sort of one foot on, one foot off. In case Jesus doesn't work out, then I've got my job. I've got my family. I've got... And the, the preacher here in his closing words is saying, no, no, this is the one nail you can put all of your weight on. It's a nail firmly fixed. We'll sing this at the end. How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in what? His excellent word. This is the foundation. This is what we stand on as people. This is what we stand on as a church. Verse 12. This is the verse, the memory verse for every student here. This is the verse that turns every student into a a hand-raising, amen-saying, charismatic. My son, beware of anything beyond these words. Of making of many books, there is no end. And much study is a weariness of the flesh. Amen, every student? Amen. And this is, you're going to go home, you're a high school student. Hey, mom, you know, this verse, I was really appreciating this verse today. I didn't want to study anymore today, you know. This is your memory verse. It's just too many books and, and all the study is just wearying out my soul. And, and the preacher, imagine, he's in, he's in 1000 B.C. He's in 1000 B.C. saying there's just too many books. One statistic I read this week is in the year 2013 or 2011, three million books were published in that one year. And just that year, it's not books a million, it's books a three million now. (laughs) And worldwide, 152 million blogs. And worldwide, another blog is created every half second. See, see, you're missing it right now, just listening to this sermon. You could be logging on to that next blog that has that, that next piece of information. And, and in this sea of information, the preacher just sails by in this overwhelming wave of information and words from other places and says, hey, you know what? There's just one word. This word. I'm not saying there isn't other help out there in some other way, but if you want to rest your life on something, this is it. It's just this one word. You can cut through all the other chatter and just put all of your weight on this one word. And this is worth all of your life study. It doesn't matter what the new, uh, you know, hot new uh, author is today. His word isn't going to last. There's only going to be one word that's going to last forever. It's not going to be your word. It's not going to be my word. 
It's going to be this word. This is the word. Verse 13, the end of the matter. All has been heard. Fear God, keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. And, you know, the preacher just sums up everything he said with such some simplicity. Fear God, keep his word. I mean, if you want to know, if, if we just boil all this down, it's just fear God, keep his word. Here, here's what I'm imagining as the preacher. I go home. I've just finished a 12-week sermon series on Ecclesiastes. I've gotten to chapter 12 here, and I'm having lunch with my family. And one of my children say, you know, why don't you just cut out the whole 11 verse or 11 chapter introduction and just get to the last thing? I mean, why, why did we have to have a whole summer of this when you could have just said it in one sentence? I mean, why did we need all this other information when you could have just said, hey, the end of the, let's just say the end, the, at the end, the butler did it. You know, that's like the, you know, the, the murder mystery. Just forget all the stuff about just, let's get to the end. Why didn't we just do that? Why didn't we just say, hey, we can just sum up Ecclesiastes with this one verse. And the answer is, Koheleth had to deconstruct all the false idols that we invest in. That we think are firm foundations. If I just have the right wisdom. The right degree. If I just have enough money. If I just have enough wine, women and song. Whatever it is. He he took it to task and he said. I'm deconstructing that. And now once all of those false platforms have been deconstructed. He can come in and say. Here's. Let me just construct this very simple platform. Fear God, follow after his word. That's the whole duty of man. Why should we build our lives on this simple platform? He ends in verse 14. For God will bring every deed into judgment. Everything seen, every secret thing, every good thing, every evil thing. Fear God, keep his command. Because one day you'll stand at a judgment seat before your creator and give an account for everything seen and unseen, every thought, every word, every deed. Amen. That's the end. That's his last word. I'm left wanting one more word. I'm not saying what he's. Saying isn't true, I just get to the end and think, whew, fear God and keep his word. I, I know I'm not doing too well in some areas. Is there, is there another word? Is it just judgment? Is there some other word that, that might come in? And the answer, oh, yes. Yes, there is another word. Who is it? It's the word who became flesh. See, the word came in and and he became flesh and he dwells among us. And if anyone believes in him, if anyone would trust in this word, this word that's come from outside of our world into our world, he would say, yes, I'm the one who's at the prow. I'm the one who's kept the commandments. I'm the one who's fearing God. And if you could just get in behind me, I'll bring you all the way home. Amen. 
That's the word. And his, he's got a face. He's got a name. Jesus. So, so the, the Old Testament preacher understandably leaves with judgment. The real preacher comes in and says, let me give you one more word. It's called grace. I'm, I'm going to take on all of your responsibility, all of your sin, all of your misdoings. And you can just land on me this firmly fixed nail. This firmly fixed nail that has fixed every sin to the cross. And I'll be at the tip. And I'll take you from the fog of this world, from this voyage itself, which is not complete. And I will deliver you safely with me and into eternity. That's the gospel. So I don't know where this message may find you this morning. Maybe you're in that fog and you need a word. One of the elders would be here to pray for you if that would be helpful. Maybe you're believing in another word. Everybody's believing in somebody's word. What is that for you? Maybe you're a communicator. You need to say, I need to carefully arrange my words. I speak quickly. I don't speak carefully. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we are thankful for this preacher who lived 3,000 years ago and proclaimed to us the words of one shepherd. And you have provided such wisdom, such guidance, such direction for us this summer. But Lord, help us to be faithful to, to, to put all of our weight on this firmly fixed nail. And trust in the word that has become flesh and is going to lead us from the fog of this world into the bright light of yourself. Lord, as we scatter out and we move out into a foggy community, help us to be the people who stand beside and and bring in words of delight, words of truth. So that next week as we gather in and we... We have definitely taken a fork in the river. And we can remember this time, but we won't return to it. That we'll have said uh, what's most important is that people living in the fog have come in and get to see and taste the word. So we open up seats for for those people yet seen. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen.